I'm Jessica, and this is Homecoming, finding yourself in life's little moments. Episode 14, You Never Have to Worry. So in this podcast, I'm going to talk about the last two and a half years, which have frankly been some of the most difficult I've ever struggled through. And now having arrived in a sense really on the other side of it, I can begin to reflect on everything. And I feel inspired to share what got me through. So over the course of that time, the truth was that I shared the details of my situation really with just a few trusted friends. And I tell you this now not to keep anyone in suspense. That was not my intention. It wasn't my intention then or now. But because it was needed for me to navigate the most difficult of circumstances, that was the motivation. So what I share with you here now, some of those details, is in a very specific context and for a very specific reason. And it has to do with a message that I began to receive. And I believe that message was from God. And that message was that I never have to worry. Now, never having to worry was about the farthest thing from my actual experience that I could imagine. It was about as far from my reality and my sense of things as I could conceive. And to even begin to contemplate it as a possibility was a kind of leap of faith that seemed greater than I was capable of making. But there it was. That was the message that kept coming to me through this period of time, that I never have to worry, that I don't have to worry. So let me backtrack and say that I didn't seek to initiate what would turn out to become the most challenging, stressful time of my life a period of time in which the stress was chronic and sometimes even acute, which is to say panic. And it was the most protracted experience of that kind of stress that I'd ever endured. Sometimes it was the most I could do just to take one hour at a time, one day at a time, and to pray and to hold tight, to simply hang in there and to hang on. So you see, dear listeners, I left my home and my marriage not having wanted to and nor having anticipated that I'd ever have to, but there it was, under duress. I stepped across the threshold of my home and what I'd called my home and my life. I set out from that with a kind of uncertainty and feeling of a a sort of vast unknown. I had no idea really what the future would bring. As I endeavored to sort out my life and tried to establish some kind of footing, and I wasn't even really conscious of that, that that was what I was doing. I think I was simply trying to make my way as best as I could. I'd end up moving so many times during this period of time that I literally lost count, moving from one place to another, relying on the kindness of friends. It was not a situation I'd been in before, nor would ever really want to be in again, frankly. 
And because of that, I have to say that I understand in a way I could never have before the meaning of what it means to be displaced. So many people in the world these days are displaced. And what that means is that similarly, usually for no fault of their own, they've had to step out over the thresholds of their own homes, whether that was a small bungalow or a cabin or a tent or a shack or an apartment or a house. Stepping out, they did often never to return, and there they are on the move, usually staying here and there, as I was on the move, not wanting to have left and yet holding within them the hope of a peace for themselves displaced, holding that hope amidst usually tragic circumstances, holding that hope as they simultaneously hold within them and carry a deep pain and longing and often fear, displaced, that's what that means, to be placed to the side of one's life, to the side of one's home, to to be moved from one's home to have to move out of one's home. That's what displaced means. And my circumstances also made me realize, too, the meaning of what home really is. I realized that as I struggled to carve out a semblance of it here and there, in the myriad different places that I lived over that time. So I ask then, home, what does that really mean? Well, it's a place for oneself, a place one calls one's own, a place where one lives, where one's anchored in the world, nurtured, anchored, nourished, home, one's own home. Even a small place would do, I'm sure, for so many, and that was the case for me too. Just a small place would do, or even just a room where I could be stable and secure and know that it was mine. But that wasn't my fate, not at that point. What was my life was this movement and longing and struggle with the fears and insecurities with which I was faced and trying to navigate and bring to a resolution a really tough situation. And amidst all of that, people began to appear in my life. Some of them had been acquaintances, and some were completely new to me. But amidst my difficulties, a handful of people appeared and became close and trusted friends. Like buoys in the ocean, they helped me stay afloat, and they helped guide me, and sometimes were able to give me shelter, too. And now as I look back, I believe that these people were God-sent. I believe that these people who came into my life were heaven-sent. And I believe that the guidance and counsel and support I needed to help me, to give me a place to stay, it came through these different people. And sometimes that aid came in the form of a complete stranger, someone that I'd just meet in the street or on a bus. Out of nowhere, they kind of appear and share something of their life, unbidden, or ask me about mine, and shed light 
on something that I was grappling with, give me real insight into something I was struggling with, something I needed help with, maybe even without realizing it at times. They provided something that helped me. So the help and support I needed came in the form of all of these different people. And as I said, I believe that they were messengers and guides and confidants. In a word, I believe they were angels. So I'll give you just one example. One afternoon, I was traveling from New York City back to where I was living, and I had to take the bus from the Port Authority bus terminal, which is on 42nd Street in New York City. And for anyone who's been there, you know how kind of unappealing a place it can be, particularly the lower level, and that's where I needed to go to catch my bus. So I was waiting there, and a woman came near to where I was standing, and she had some some belongings. She had a, a suitcase and and a backpack, and she wasn't young. I didn't know exactly how old she was, but at a certain point, we struck up a conversation, and she began to reflect on her life and ask me about mine. And she asked, are you married? And I said, well, actually, I'm separated, and life right now is very hard. And then she began to tell me about her life, and she said, you know, I live by myself. And at that point, I sort of felt like maybe she might have been around 70 or 75, not a young person in any case. And she went on and she began to say more about about her life. She said, well, what I love to do is travel. I spend the extra money that I have not on things like cars and TVs, but on going places. And then she told me how she'd just been to Hawaii. And she told me about an experience there of swimming with the dolphins. Now, mind you, here we are, the two of us standing in the lower level of New York's Port Authority bus terminal. And again, for anyone who's been there, you know really how unappealing it is. The buses spew exhaust into the waiting areas. The toilets are dingy, quite frankly, and the place is lit really only by artificial fluorescent light. So there the two of us are standing, and she begins to tell me about this incredible experience that she had in Hawaii. And she launched into this experience of swimming there in the pristine turquoise waters and how she was able to swim with the dolphins. And as she described this whole experience, my mind traveled there with her. And then she said something directed towards me. She said, you know, I want to tell you this. I want to tell you that I've never regretted being alone. My life is so, so rich. The truth is that I'm free. I'm free. And I have so many incredible experiences, like the ones with the dolphins, just like that. So don't worry, dear, she said to me, with a knowing glance and a friendly smile. She said, you'll be okay. You will. I promise you. Life can be so, so rich. You'll see, I promise you. And with those words, the woman gathered her bags, 
and headed for her bus. And I stood there marveling at the conversation we just had and and the advice that she'd given me. And a few minutes later, my bus arrived. And as I got on, I thought, that was an angel. That was a sign. That was a vision of life, of my life, I think, my life to come, and a profound encouragement to hold tight and keep moving forward. It was an unexpected word of encouragement at what was a pivotal and immensely difficult time in my life. But the truth was, I still had no idea how all my problems and issues and fears and difficulties would resolve. There were seemingly so many of them, and I couldn't imagine how it would all work out. And there were many days when things seemed to be getting worse and more complicated, not better. And then later that month, and at this point I was being housed within a spiritual, a Catholic community, a place with wonderful people, many of whom I'd come to know, and they gave me shelter for a time. And one morning I went out from the little house in which I was staying, the guest house, and there, on the windshield of my car, was a small white paper bag. And I wondered, what could it be? And I came to the car and lifted the windshield wiper and pulled it out. And as I opened it, I found a little picture, a laminated image. And it was a picture of Mary, of the Virgin Mary. But it was an unusual image of her, one I hadn't seen before. And she was standing serenely, surrounded by angels. And in her hand, she held a long white rope and her hands were gently and slowly and methodically untying the knots that lined that long rope. One by one, she was untying them. And the image, as I'd later learn, was called Mary the Untire of Knots. And that little prayer card was left by a friend on the windshield of my car. And I don't really know if my friend actually realized just how significant and apt that image was. But it was the perfect image. Because the truth was that I had no idea how my situation would resolve itself, how I'd emerge, if at all, free and intact and able to move forward. I didn't know how it would happen, how all the knots that were there would be untied. I didn't know if it was even possible So I ended up keeping that image with me for month after month as time went on to give me encouragement and strength. So this was my situation, and during this period, the sustained period of about two and a half years, a period of uncertainty and fear and stress, I knew that I needed to find a place where I could go and take comfort and just relax, even just a little, and try to be at peace. And for me, that place has always been near the sea. So in and amidst this period of time, I was taking some precious weeks near the sea. And as I did, I'd spend the day, in many ways like I do now, 
contemplating the water and thinking about my situation. And during that time, I was also writing a lot. I was laying out the material, the chapters for a new book, one that would follow my first book. Likewise, it would be a memoir. But this time, going into some of the most painful aspects of my life, and certainly what was unfolding at the time, and the revelations and blessings that were coming, as well as the difficulties. So I was writing in my journal and making notes, and something began to come to me. Somehow it seemed a voice or a presence began to come to me as I was writing. And it was a distinct sense. It was something that seemed to soothe me in its very nature. And the feeling of this presence, of, of, this, of this feeling, this presence and voice that I began to hear started to dissolve the stress of my experience. And then perhaps it was because I was in such a desperate state that I thought to myself, well, maybe I'll ask for guidance. I'll consciously ask this presence, this voice for guidance. And so I did. And so the first question that I posed to this sense that I had as I was sitting near the sea The first question was, please help me. What is going to happen? What is there that I need to know? And as I wrote that question down, and a message came through that was simple and clear, and this is what it was. Dearest one whom I adore and cherish, please know that you never, ever have to worry. And then I asked, I think not really believing it could be that simple or true, I asked, could that be possible? Is there anything else? Is there anything else that I need to know? And what came immediately was the response. That's it. It will all flow from that. So the next day I returned to my spot by the sea and I asked again and I began to feel that this presence must be that this presence must be God. I began to ask in a more conscious way in a more sort of intent way or directed way. I began to ask is there anything else I need to know because I was really in need of help of support and reassurance. And then that voice came to me. Please, dear one, just be gentle with yourself. Please know that it will all come good. It really, really will. And then I asked again, you know, is there more? Can you help me? Is there more? Is that really all there is to know? And then God spoke to me and said, Dear one, please know that the deeper currents of who you already are are enough. It's enough. You're beautiful and complete, and that's it. That's everything you need to know. Please believe that. And then the next day I returned again to that same spot. 
and this time it was getting close to my having to leave that place and go back, to try to continue to sort out my situation, to deal with so many matters, legal and otherwise. And I was very nervous and afraid. And so sitting near the sea, I prayed and I asked God for help. I knew I had to go back, and I had no idea how anything would turn out. And I was scared. And I asked God, I said, you know, I've got to return soon. Can you help me? What else can you tell me? And this is what came to me. Dearest one, remember you never have to worry. My energy is surrounding you like a huge cloak. You can't see it, but it's there. So hang tight and don't worry. Love is magnificent in its power and it's with you. Sure as rain, sure as rain, it is with you. And that was the message that came to me. And with that kind of interesting turn of phrase that I'd never heard before, sure as rain, because in fact over the last few days that I was there, there had been so much rain. And that was what came to me, that phrase. It was God saying to me, sure as rain, sure as all this rain that's happening, everything will come good. Sure as rain, you never have to worry. So that was the message I took with me as I re-entered the fray, as it were, returning from the sea to where I had to sort all the circumstances out to untie all the knots as Mary was doing so patiently and under enormous duress and fear at times. And it would take a kind of fortitude and patience and a kind of skill and even strategizing under incredible pressure, a sort of skill that I didn't know I had. I didn't think some of these things were in my nature, but I had to call on them. And thank goodness, and surprisingly, it became apparent to me that they were. And so slowly, one by one, circumstances began to unfold, and things very slowly began to untie, to resolve, to free me. And from that time, two and a half years ago to now, everything finally has come to completion. And I'm now finding myself just simply myself. And as I look back, again, reflecting through time over that period of stress and uncertainty of trying to come to some peace and grappling with so many difficulties, in the moments of heightened uncertainty and fear, what helped keep me going was that I'd find myself say, walking before a shop window, or into the bathroom especially to wash my face before in the mirror. And looking in the mirror as I did, those words would come to me, those words that God's voice had given me when I was sitting there by the sea. You never have to worry. You don't have to worry. And here I am now, by the sea, talking to God in the mornings as the sun comes up 
And my dearest dad, too, my dearest dad since his passing just a few weeks ago, my dearest dad who's come to me close and near, I speak to him as well. I talk to my dearest dad and I talk to God. And just recently they said to me that all that fear, that fear that I felt and that so many people feel, that fear is what keeps us stuck, stuck and unable to actually realize our true nature, our true nature, which is a deep innocence and joy and love the nature of who we truly are. And indeed now, as my days unfold, as I talk to God and to my dearest dad, what was presaged then in those earliest conversations with God as I was sitting by the sea, what he told me has remarkably come to pass. And what I realize now is that that was a beginning. It was an ending of something but at the same time, a very important beginning. And if I'd known how painful and difficult these last couple of years would have been, I'd certainly never have chosen it myself, never. But something else, God, I'd say, needed it and wanted it to happen. And so it did. And sometimes I think, well, maybe all of this pain was really like a birth, now, I'm not a mom. I've never given birth to an actual child, but I know enough to know that birth is a difficult process. I know enough to know that when an infant comes into the world, it comes into the world through a kind of struggle that the mom goes through, and that all these travails and difficulties were like birth pangs, the pain of birth, Something had me moving and going and moving through all of this pain and fear and uncertainty to a new possibility. And so it is coming to pass miraculously by the grace of God and by the myriad ways that grace has expressed itself through so many who've entered my world like angels like that woman at the Port Authority bus terminal, and like so many people who entered my life and helped me in incredible ways. They helped me become birthed, I'd say, into a new life, and ending up on these shores where now I'm coming home to myself. Home, really home. A feeling I'd never had before home, where everything can drop away, the fear and anxiety, all that was standing between me and myself, and that precious quality in others too. And so I say to you with tears in my eyes and a song in my heart, you never have to worry. Everything's going to be okay. Everything is going to be okay.